respect of the bustling city, he had learned to cherish the savage wilderness. He had also done what few other white men had been able to accomplish. He had adapted to the harsh demands of life in the Rockies as superbly as the Indians whose ways he so admired. Grizzly Killer was the name the Indians called him, courtesy of a noted Cheyenne warrior who had once seen him slay a huge silver tip with just a knife. Few men, white or Indian, could boast of such a feat. So now the friendly tribes, the Shoshones, Flatheads, Nez Perce, and Crows, all knew him by that name, as did the hostile tribes, those devoted to the extermination of all whites, namely the Blackfeet, the Pegans, the Utes, and others. Nate reached the valley floor and made toward the stream. The stallion's hoofs clumped dully in the deep snow, and its breath formed small puffy clouds in the crisp air. His own breath did likewise, and occasionally, if he carelessly left his lips parted for too long, it felt as if his mouth had been frozen solid. He had to repeatedly open and close it and rub his lips with his mittens to restore sensation. A low gurgling came from the gently bubbling stream. Only the water in the center flowed freely. Along both borders hung strips of ice that would gradually widen with each passing day. Eventually the stream would become covered with a thick sheet, if a spell of warm weather didn't provide relief from the frigid Arctic weather first. Nate moved along the west bank, his keen green eyes roving over both sides, seeking sign that deer or elk had come to drink. Once he found fresh tracks, he would follow them, and with a little luck, he'd have the meat he needed before nightfall. Half a mile into the valley, as Nate drew abreast of a thick stand of pines, he spotted a disturbed area in the snow ahead. Jabbing his heels into the stallion's flanks, he trotted closer, then reined up in consternation. The snow had been torn up by the passage of a dozen horses that had emerged from the pines, stopped at the stream to drink, and then turned up the valley heading for the far end. Two of the horses, as the hoofprints clearly indicated, had been shod. The rest had not. Nate scanned the gleaming expanse of snow, but saw no sign of the large party. His mind was racing as he pondered the implications. Since there were no other free trappers living in the region, and the company men were all down in the low country wintering over at Fort Laramie, the tracks must have been made by Indians. Yet if so, Nate mused, what were two white men doing in the party, as the shod hoof showed was the case? Were they trappers who preferred to live with Indians? That was possible, but unlikely, since few of the trappers bothered to have their horses shod. They rode unshod mounts, Indian fashion. Moving on, Nate studied the trail. Another possibility occurred to him and made him grip the hawk in a little tighter. There was a chance the band was composed of hostiles, and they might have stolen the two shod horses from white men they'd slain. Should they spot him, he'd be in danger of suffering the same fate. But Nate pressed on anyway. If he had any common sense, he wryly told himself, He'd go elsewhere and leave the mysterious riders to mind their own affairs. His curiosity, though, wouldn't let him. 
He had to find out who these riders were and what they were doing in that particular area. The tracks wound into high hills beyond the valley. Here Nate slowed, every nerve tingling, alert to the slightest sounds and vaguest smells. The hills were heavily forested. Many of the trees stooped under the heavy weight of the snow. West of them reared a towering peak. All appeared tranquil, yet Nate knew how deceptive appearance could be. It was the stallion that forewarned him. They were skirting the base of a hill dotted with massive boulders when the horse jerked its head up, nostrils flaring. Nate sniffed loudly, testing the wind. Seconds later, he detected the faint, acrid scent of wood smoke. He stopped and dismounted, then tied the reins to the branch of a handy evergreen and advanced up a short incline. At the rim, he hunkered down to peer over. The band had camped.